0: This podcast is not to be a substitute for individual therapy. If you need assistance, call 911 if you're in the U.S. or any emergency phone number if you need help. If you feel depressed, anxious, reach out to someone. This podcast is for educational or entertainment purposes only. Thank you. hi natalie how are you
1: hi is it basil basilisa nice to meet you basilisa
0: nice to meet you as well how's it going
1: it's good i'm going good
0: good how's your husband though
1: he is okay and so oh. are, so my kids we're we're okay. all hanging in there yeah we we live we live out in the farm country so um our <laughs> our Internet, like, and and power goes out really quickly because the lines here are like, you know, old and stuff. So, um, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, I think we should be good.
0: Good. Uh, Thank you for coming on to the podcast. Uh, You're welcome. Of fetal uh, alcohol
1: uh, spectrum disorder.
0: Spectrum disorder is uh, something I've been a uh, passion of mine learning about it especially with uh, covid and spent you know some time uh, you know researching absolutely on, on a not only as a social worker but also on a you know, professional on a personal level um learning about it you know as well um so tell me uh, and tell our our listeners uh, you know your journey and how you got started it, uh regarding this uh disorder that doesn't get talked about as much
1: sure thing sure thing so my name is natalie vicione and my husband and i started um fasd hope which is a podcast and a uh, website and resources and and we are um, parents of a son that is 18 and has a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder so, we have 18 plus years of lived experience as parents with FASD. Um, he was not diagnosed until he was 15, though. Um, and up until then, you know, it was a struggle to get him diagnosed. And, and we, at the time, we were living in Philadelphia. We were also living uh, in New York for a few years before we moved to North Carolina. Um, so my, my background, I'm actually a music therapist and a recreation therapist and um, prior to adopting our son I, I worked with a variety of populations and um, I actually worked a lot with Early Intervention and Head Start um, up north and I never, uh, you know, in my um, college, and my, my trainings, you know, in my work No one ever talked about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, you know, um, sometimes once in a while, like in early intervention, people would talk about fetal alcohol syndrome, um, but they'd never talk about, you know, never talk about the, the, the spectrum disorder that it really is, that people don't understand that it is. So um, my husband and I adopted our son. He was two and a half weeks old when we adopted him. He um, had, he was considered like special needs because he had a lot of medical issues, which we le- later found out were related to his, his fetal alcohol spectrum um, disorder. And mm-hmm. we were living um, just outside of Philly at the time. Okay. And um, we were actually taking him to, a- and the adoption was closed. So his birth mother picked us and we didn't know anything about, you know, very little about um, you know, her or her background or and we knew nothing about his birth father. Um, so we uh, took him to Children's Hospital when he was little for a couple of different medical issues that he had when he was born and um, nobody picked. He, he had seen probably <clears throat> up until he was two, he'd probably seen about five different specialists there and nobody picked up on that anything was, you know, related to, to fetal, out his, you know, his diagnosis. Right. Um, so, which I learned later as I became a parent advocate that it's very common with kids or, you know, with infants and, and toddlers to, to show the medical symptoms first and then as they get older, you see more of the developmental symptoms. Um, so I learned that later, you know, as, well, as we...
0: What, what, what type of what type of symptoms were was your son a, a experiencing for you no know, for medical professor sure professional so, who doesn't doesn't know it. and even I've seen a, a lot of school school social workers and they may confuse absolutely. that with, with ADHD and, right and, uh, right so, I've learned from her as well so
1: so there's over 400 comorbid diagnoses that go with FASD, um, yeah. because of the nature of the brain damage, and because it's a spectrum disorder, um, really no two kids are the same. Even if you have a child that has full-blown fetal alcohol syndrome, they may have the char- facial characteristics and whatnot, um, but it's not going to be the same as another kid with with you know fetal alcohol syndrome because the alcohol. Um, is, is the worst teratogen out of all of the negative things. People think that, you know, um, meth and, and opioids and prescription meds and cocaine and everything are the worst. Actually, alcohol is the worst because it permeates the cell structure and mm. it, 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 it affects the, the brain, you know, and has permanent brain damage. So it, to answer your question, um, <clears throat> when they're young, when they're really young, so like if they're like an infant and a toddler, a lot of the symptoms you'll see. And again, I'm talking as a parent. You know, I'm right. gonna give I'm gonna give you uh, some resources so you can share with your audience. That'd um, be great. Um, but a lot of symptoms you'll see when they're really young. You know, like baby toddler, um, are going to be more of symptoms like um, feeding. They'll have feeding mm. issues, um, either like they're not feeding enough or are um, you know they might be feeding too much to the point where they'll get sick. Usually, it's it's their their feeding is not good, or they're not gaining weight, or they might be considered failure to thrive. Right. Um, another one, which is really huge, and this is this is what happened with our son that that was kind of like the the, the trigger, um, is sleep. Sleep is really really affected in many individuals, kids. Uh, teens, young adults with, with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Um, and the reason being is because of the, the, the brain, you know, um, unfortunately, you know, the brain does not, you know, have the, the, the regular circadian rhythm. So, you know, they, they may stay up all night because of sensory issues or, or you know, um, different issues. They're, they're wired and it often um so at that age it often gets misdiagnosed like is you know um a precursor mm-hmm. for um autism a lot of kids with FASD okay. I usually that. usually have an autism diagnosis before or like in our son's case it was adhd he had he he actually so when he was two um my background in, in music therapy especially working with early intervention um I the the red flag that really went off that we needed to to get him evaluated was when he the sleep started happening. It was literally he went from being a, a decent sleeper to um one summer he just like it was just before his second birthday, he just did not sleep and he started regressing in his attachment. So like he was mm. he was really, you know, just afraid to, you know, for us to be out of the room and um just having a lot of sensory issues too um a lot of sensory avoiding issues and a lot of sensory seeking issues which is a primary characteristic of of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder so again okay. that's why it's often misdiagnosed or undiagnosed because they you know you'll you'll uh, an average you know kid that has an fasd will get all these diagnoses first before they realize that the child was you know exposed to alcohol you know even even if it was you know before the birth mother or before the mother knew she was pregnant you know it can be that that much you know yeah.
0: so right, that's, you that's know, actually that, one of my questions I, I, actually that, that you brought up um regarding no i'm gonna let you finish but i wanted to <laughs> sure. uh, ask a, a question you know, sure. a, about that
1: sure sure so um yeah so so what happened was we got a sleep study we got an order for a sleep study and um we were like i said we were living near philly and and the children's hospital philadelphia was um they were like they had a long waiting list so we went to another um children's hospital and um we saw you know he did the sleep study which which is really like That's an oxymoron. You don't sleep during a sleep study. Yes, I know. (laughs) I had one
0: done. Yes. Oh my
1: goodness. It's yeah, yeah, nobody sleeps. Um so so they came back with the results, and my husband and I went in together with our, you know, son, and our son's sitting on his lap on my lap, and he's, you know, almost two at the time. And the pediatric neurologist and his his group of like uh medical students, they come into Mm -hmm. the room and he the, the neurologist you know he he said oh you know the sleep study you know there was no um no alarming issues or whatever and he took a look at our son and he said look at him he's got mild fetal alcohol effects and i'll tell you why and so now as a parent advocate there is no such thing as mild fetal alcohol effects you know when you have any type of teratogen that's exposed to an unborn child it there, there's nothing mild about it you know so so he said that and then he he listed off a bunch of things like oh look at you know the space between his eyes and you know his his upper lip and everything and his head and, you know and everything he was rattling all this off and my husband and I this is the first time we had ever heard anything like this you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um we just you know we we were like what do we do you know this is the first time and so he said, and, and again, looking back, you know, I, I, I could, you know, kick myself for not asking. But again, I didn't know at the time. But um, right. he, he said, oh, just put him in early intervention and he'll be fine. And again, it's it's such you don't outgrow a developmental disability. It's it's for life. You know, you know that with any other disability, you know, development, right, yeah. you don't outgrow it. Um, so we were able to get him into early intervention, um, because of his sensory issues, you know, so again, no diagnosis and we went back, we looked at the records and there was nothing about fetal alcohol exposure written in any of his records. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we got him in early intervention and you know he worked with occupational therapy with you know speech with you know a whole bunch of different therapies um he did that for two years and then he progressed well enough that they discharged him you know so you know we had rolled enrolled him in a private school um and he was always one of those and this is this is something that's common with kids that have an fasd he was always one of those kids that was kind of like on the border of receiving services, you know, like yeah. not quite meeting those developmental, like, like back then it was something like 35% in three areas or something, I, I think, um, okay. was was like the criteria for him, you know, getting services. And, you know, he would always be like right at the, at, at that, you know, um, right at that point, you know, that line of, of mm-hmm. receiving. Right. So,
0: okay or, or so, some or somebody who's who's struggling that's like maybe like first marking period there, and maybe exactly. second marking period will be like okay we we exactly. might have to talk about um you know, yep. being left back and yep. then all of a sudden the, the last does fine co- exactly that's fine and just gets promoted but still needs and, a lot of work
1: and that's really common i later learned um that's really common in kids with in, in kids any anyone but especially kids with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder because of the nature of the brain damage and how it's so different from kid to kid mm-hmm. that what happens with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder is how it affects the brain is that their working memory people who have been affected their working memory is inconsistent just like you said so one day they're able to retrieve information But the next day, they may not be able to. Mm -hmm. And that was like a big thing that, you know, our son struggled with. Was some days he could retrieve what he learned in school and other days he just couldn't. And it wasn't because he wasn't willing or trying hard enough. It was because his brain literally wouldn't let him access that information, that that memory.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So um, we you know, we just continued and we kept, you know, we we had moved at that point. We moved from, when he was older, we moved from um, Philly to New York. My husband worked in the city and we lived in Dutchess County. And still, he was starting to develop more symptoms, more more what we would consider behavioral, but they were actually symptoms. Um, Things like attention, You know, decreased attention, um, mood, depressed mood, anxiety, Um, other things like, um, you know, hyperactivity, impulsivity, which, again, he kind of piled up a bunch of these. I, you know, I call them the alphabet soup of acronym diagnoses, you know, ADHD, all this (laughs) stuff. But, but, but again, like, you know, we would try what they would tell us and, and it wouldn't work you know mm. so and again my husband and i would bring up hey we were told when he was two that the doctor thought he might have been exposed to alcohol could this be why and i have to tell you that like I, up until he was 15 every single doctor and he probably saw almost 50 doctors and not just doctors but specialists and people like that
0: said Mm -hmm.
1: no said no they didn't think so
0: so you would you you would ask uh, about it they would would say no
1: and they would say no no it's not it because I think I think many professionals and and it's gotten better in the past five years I would say definitely like you know as a parent but um, also as someone who you know I'm a parent advocate you know so someone who I've, I've taken some trainings I've taken some you know classes and learned about it and everything but um, you know the conversations changed more in the past five years that people are recognizing that this is a spectrum, like autism, like other spectrum mm-hmm. disorders. Mm, but gotcha. but back back then, no people were just like, no, no, he doesn't have it, you know, because they were going by the worst case, you know, diagnosis, which is fetal alcohol syndrome. So um, we moved. We actually had an open adoption with our daughter. Um, we, we know who our daughter's birth mother, um, was, was actually friends of our family. And, and so, and our, our daughter, we had a very different adoption journey with her. She had, we have an open adoption. Um, our, our daughter is five now. Um, she's neurotypical. Um, she's typically developing. So it's, it, my husband and I, our parenting journeys have been two very different parenting journeys. Right, of course. Um, so, uh, shortly after our daughter turned one, um, my husband relocated to North Carolina for work. Um, and at the time our son was about 13 going on 14. Um, actually, yeah, he, no, he was 14. And, um, when we moved, you know, his symptoms were getting worse. You know, he was having worsening depression, worsening, um, just a lot of different things. And I should add before that, um, that while we were in New York, we decided um, it was actually more, it was actually less expensive for me to stop working and to homeschool him rather than to send them to like a private school for kids with learning disabilities, because it was like, you know, like I tuition, you know, where we were living. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I stopped working and I homeschooled him, which actually I learned later was probably the best accommodation I could have made because we were able to focus, and I was able to accommodate to his needs. I was able to do where like, you know, where the school was like, okay, he's gotta be grade level at this, or he can be below in this, but you know, he can't be above in this. I was able to like be different grade levels for him, depending on the subject. So for example, you know, many individuals that have an FASD have difficulty with math. Especially like abstract time, abstract concepts, reading things like that. Um, and again, it's because of how the alcohol has impacted the brain. Um, especially right. abstract, people with FASD do much better with concrete types of terms and concrete, you know, thoughts and, and concepts. So homeschooling was really a, a big. It was a huge blessing for us because we were able to. Like I said, I was able to accommodate on you know, what he needed and focused on his strengths, which we later learned was actually working with his hands. And, and, um, and he, he, his, his homeschool journey has a really cool ending and I'll get to that in a second. But, um, so when we moved down here, we actually found, um, a homes uh, uh, excuse me, an FASD consultant who, who was fantastic. And she guided us to, um, to a psychiatrist who actually worked with, with teens that had fetal alcohol and drug exposure, which we oh, wow. did That's amazing. Yeah, and you know, the amazing thing too bad is, is like we never, we were living in New York, we were in Dutchess County for like almost four years and we never found anybody like that. And you would think with all the resources in the city and all the resources, you know, in, right. in Westchester and in those areas, we never found anybody who was able to talk to us. Um, there's a wonderful, wonderful clinic And a wonderful doctor in University of Rochester, but that's all the way up north. Yeah, that's way up north. Yeah, but but there's a fan, if any of your audiences is is in that area or anything, the University of Rochester has one of the best FASD clinics um, in the country. And and I'll give you that information, you know, if any of your um, colleagues or people, you know, want to get in touch with somebody who knows about FASD. um, I'm actually interviewing. Dr. Petranco, who heads up that clinic on one of my podcasts down in in a a couple of months. Um, So, but yeah, but in our area where we were living, there was nobody. So again, in in North Carolina, we're here in North Carolina, um, our son actually was developing symptoms, um, worsening symptoms, like, you know, um, he was having suicidal symptoms. He was having, he was self-harming. He was just really having, you know, a difficult time. And the Mm -hmm. psychiatrist who, and here's another thing that we learned, Um, it's very, very common for individuals that have any type of FASD to have an accompanying mood disorder like bipolar or depression or anything like that. Because again, the nature of the brain damage affects the mood regulation.
0: Gotcha.
1: So our son was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Um, and he actually, unfortunately, um, had to be hospitalized. Um, I say unfortunately just because no, no parent wants their kid hospitalized. But of course, you know? there's somebody 14, 15 um, in, exactly, in the hospital. Exactly. However, the blessing in that was he finally got his diagnosis. He finally, the chief of, he was um, admitted to a pediatric. Um, psychiatric hospital here in, in, in Raleigh. Um, you know, and it was very traumatic for all of us, Tom, But, you know, we're so thankful that the, the doctor who he was seeing was actually working with the doctor outpatient who we were going to. And oh, they both they both concurred, they both agreed. They're like, oh yeah, he's definitely got an FASD. Oh yeah, here's his diagnosis. And once we got the diagnosis, It was like this big relief you know it was it was a big it was a relief that we had it however it was very scary because we knew the journey ahead of us we knew that you know we had a lot of accommodations to make we had a lot of like you know but to be able to to say okay this is not this is not willful behaviors this is not anything this is his brain you know just just being affected the same way You know somebody with a traumatic brain injury you know when and that's kind of how we see um one of the ways you can you can view fetal alcohol spectrum disorders is that it is injury to the brain before the child is born you know Mm. um you know
0: that's a good way to put it.
1: it it really is it's we 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 consider a lot of us in the in the parent community of FASD you know we consider it that's what really it is it's 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 brain injury that's happened prior to birth because of the alcohol exposure. You know, and when you learn the science about how the alcohol affects not only the brain, but just every other part, you know, of of the body, um, it's amazing. You know, you don't realize how harmful alcohol exposure is yet so many people still think oh it's okay i can just have a glass of wine or yeah you know what the baby can handle it or anything it's not it's the worst out of all of the things that you could do you know as far as ingest drugs or smoke or anything like that
0: right and and i think you know from now i started in the foster care system no, no my, my professional career in foster care and you not know, having uh, children, you know, being born, uh, you know, being positive to crack cocaine. Yeah. um, So that was common. And of course, you know, the yes. era of the 80s of, of yeah. crack babies. And stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, now as more research has come up, it's still got a long way to go
1: know uh, so, just going,
0: going through the books and different he, things like that here's,
1: I was talking with somebody else I was talking actually one of my first when I started this podcast one of my first interviews was with um, an amazing professional who um, she has had a lot of experience in, in, in drug and addiction you know um, research and whatnot and she pointed out to me something really that just it makes you think because um, I used to actually one of my first jobs as a music therapist a long time ago was I worked at the VA with, with vets with substance abuse and PTSD um, and, and of course again I never heard anything about FASD or, or, or anything like that you know um, she, so the, this professional pointed out that when you interview or when you know parents any type of parents birth parents biological parents when they admit to use of an illegal drug so many of them don't admit to alcohol abuse because alcohol abuse almost always accompanies it and they don't think of it because they don't consider it to be illegal right so if you think about all those kids that you know were born on crack or cocaine or anything chances are Their their birth mother and their or their birth father, which more research is being shown about the birth father's use of alcohol, but the 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 birth mother using alcohol, you know, it has more detrimental and long term effects than the crack or the cocaine. I mean, you know, that child is still going through you know neonatal abstinence you know syndrome and everything like that, but the alcohol actually changes the structure of the cell you know um so it, when you think about it you know if if you have you're talking about you know you know the 80s and the 90s when you know you were here we were hearing a lot about you know babies born on crack or cocaine or anything you know there was probably alcohol in their system too in fact more than likely there was alcohol in their system and the long term effects of of the alcohol were are are You know, are the things that, you know, if those accommodations are not made to the brain injury, then they're going to have the secondary and the tertiary effects. Things like, you know, being incarcerated, you know, Mm -hmm. getting into trouble, getting, you know, hanging out with the wrong kids, using drugs themselves, using alcohol themselves, you know, um, in, in foster care. So this, these are statistics from a, a couple of different nonprofit organizations that you know they're based about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. The statistics for kids and teens in foster care now, about 70 to 75 percent of them have been impacted by alcohol.
0: Nice.
1: So if you think about all those kids in foster care, about three quarters of them have been exposed to alcohol, which means. That is that a
0: nationwide study or that's a that...
1: nationwide study. That's a nationwide study. Mm, yeah,
0: that, that's
1: and, a lot and and it's across the board. It's not just certain demographics, certain you know, it's across the board. And then even more compelling, um, so a recent study in here in North Carolina it was a North Carolina study, but it was done the study was done nationwide. Um it's a, it's actually a, a pretty well known study in the FASD community. Um, It was conducted in 2018 and it was by um, Philip May who's a PhD out of University of North Carolina Chapel Hill and his study concluded that and it was uh, his study was published in in JAMA in the Journal of American Medical Association. Um, It was led by you know Dr. Philip May and mm-hmm. it estimated the prevalence of FASD. What they did was they, they um, you know, they studied first graders across the country in different demographic regions and area. It's estimated that one in 20 first graders have an FASD. Wow. In the United States, which puts it at a higher prevalence than autism, ADHD. Down syndrome, it's one in 20. And that is, those numbers are staggering. So that's like how we still have a long ways to go, you know, and people are just realizing, you know, the the, the prevalence of FASD and that FASD is a spectrum. So the way it looks in our son looks different for, you know, he has you know, he has a, actually, there's a wonderful, like, support group of, of teens and young adults, and it's an online support group, um, and it's, it's led by Proof Alliance, which is one of the FASD nonprofits that I'm, I'm gonna give you, you know, information for these organizations that your, you know, audience can access, but, um, his FASD looks different than, you know, some of his other friends, you know, and, and it's, um, it's a spectrum disorder. So there's actually quite a few diagnoses that go under the umbrella of of FASD. So those di- diagnoses include fetal alcohol syndrome, which is what most people are familiar with, you know, because of the facial characteristics and because of, you know, the the stature and things like that. So that's that's usually one of the on the most affected end of, you know, of alcohol, but then there's partial fetal alcohol spectrum, there's alcohol related birth defects, neurobehavioral disorder associated with prenatal alcohol exposure and alcohol related neurodevelopmental disorder. So there are five diagnoses and and I believe, I, I, I believe at least three of them are in the DSM-5 okay um you, you know and and you can also if if you suspect that a child or even an adult cuz as an adult it's not too late you know to get a diagnosis um you, there are wonderful FASD diagnostic clinics around the country um that you know, they, they are able to <clears throat> it's a process, you know, you get the neuropsych evaluation, there's other evaluations, it's it's like a compilation, it's a, it's a you know um, it's a treatment team kind of assessment, you know right. um, so um, but yeah the, when you know about it, it for us it was like the movie The Matrix you know, when we took that pill and realized yeah, yeah. that
0: like,
1: <laughs> like whoa, this is way more prevalent and this is not what people think it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so a big thing for us was as parents and what, like, kind of led me to advocacy and led me to, like, be an advocate and, and to say, okay, w- you know, our story was meant to be shared and we need to, like, you know, tell others because we know that there's, you know, thousands, if not millions of people out there that, you know, that are are dealing with this. Right. Um we took a training that really um really taught us we took a couple of trainings actually but the one training that really made a difference for us it was we learned about something called the neurobehavioral method of of parenting and caregiving and, and teaching and whatnot and basically it, it it comes down to that not just FASD, but other brain-based diagnoses so things like autism things like adhd um when you recognize it as, as what it is, which is how the brain is impacted. So in FASD, we know the cause of it, it's it's alcohol. Um, but when you recognize that that brain-based diagnosis is, is you know, basically it's, it's brain damage, you know, but the level depends. Some areas, you know, of, of functioning are higher than others. But when you recognize that and when you look at, okay, where are the strengths, where are the needs, you support the needs, you make accommodations, you know, and that's huge, you know, you make accommodations. Um, a lot of people don't realize that people that have an FASD, developmentally, they're much lower than their chronological age, yes. you know. And, and that, we know, is dismaturity. It, it's not immaturity. It doesn't mean that they don't want to act their age. It means that they, they actually can't. So, um, you know, and we see that in other diagnoses, you know. Um, so when you learn that, that that's really, that's a main characteristic also of FASD is dismaturity, that their chronological age is, you know, a, a decent amount higher than their uh, their, excuse me, their chronological, yeah, their chronological age is a, is a decent amount higher than their developmental age. When you realize that, then you change your expectations. And when you shift your expectations to meet where they're at developmentally, you know, um, it really does make a difference. You know, um, our our son was 15 when he was diagnosed and he was in a really, really rough spot And I can tell you, you know, he's still, it's still a work in progress. You know, I don't consider us to be a success story. I consider us to be um, on a journey that we've made amazing progress. He's made amazing progress. We all have. Um, The biggest thing was my husband and I shifting our expectations and shifting how we parented him. You
0: know yeah that, that must be be hard because i i know like symptoms could be um hey, go, go um go get go get me this real quick and then they'll look at you with like a blank face almost like uh, yeah like yeah like looking at you like you have two heads i'm like right. can can you please go get right. me this and then like oh okay and then it takes exactly. a while to processing the brain
1: and that's actually a big, I'm glad you brought that up because that's that's a big um, characteristic is slow processing. And the, one of the reasons for it is because um, depending on how the alcohol, you know, depending on when, but a lot of cases there, there's kind of like a, um, a little, you know, saying that goes, you know, they're, they're kind of like a 10 second brain in a one second world. So they need extra time or they need maybe to to break things up like into like chunks versus saying okay go get me this and you know that kind of thing they just you need to just start kind of like with one thing so yeah yeah, processing is is you know how they process information is also a a characteristic a primary characteristic
0: so um so and we mentioned earlier about you know, kind of similar to ADHD in, in terms of hyperactivity, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, some for someone who works with kids or or a parent, and you know, they see somebody or they see a therapist or they see a psychiatrist, and and they're like, what What are the the clear signs that there's a, a difference? Okay, this my might, my might person might have adhd compared to uh no fetal fetal alcohol uh, syndrome disorder
1: so the symptoms are like they're really similar um however um you know you you would have to um you know it really i'm i'm not like a diagnostician or anything but i can tell you what the symptoms are and then you know basically um you know if, if there's any any kind of suspected so not just for you know kids you know parents who have kids who are adopted or kids in the foster system but if you know if if a pregnancy was unplanned or if you know a a, a mother didn't realize that she was pregnant until maybe two months and, and even the tiniest bit of alcohol was consumed you know they're 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 at risk you know they're they're at at big risk so the primary some of the primary characteristics um and it's actually this so a book that really helped us and that i'm gonna like recommend to you and anybody you work with it's called trying differently rather than harder
0: yes and i just got that book yes, uh, literally uh, like last week
1: good it's an awesome book it's by diane malvin and she was actually Um, the one who created, it's called FACETS, F-A-S-C-E-T-S. And that's the organization that does the training, you know, the neurobehavioral model. Um, So yes, trying differently rather than harder. It's, it's, It's basically the book that we refer to, you know, to help us, you know, understand. She really was just the trailblazer in the in the area of FASD. So some of the primary characteristics of, FA, of FASD include, like we were saying, dismaturity. You know, not not being your your developmental age, being lower than your chronological age, um, over sensitive or under sensitive to to stimuli or or to sensory issues. So if you're a sensory seeker or a sensory avoider. That that's a primary characteristic. Um, having difficulty thinking abstractly um, and and predicting things too. That that's a very common characteristic. Um, difficulty in associating things. Difficulty in um, generalizing. Um, you know, again, making associations. You know, kind of. You know, connecting things. You know, in 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 a way that takes. A little bit of abstract thinking um having a slower processing rate so you know telling them something and and it takes a while to process um impulsivity attention you know um, decreased attention increased distractibility memory problems um and and those are some examples of primary characteristics Um, Along the lines, though, and I guess this is what I want to talk about, like, you know, um, the way that we, you know, think and the way that we kind of embrace, especially with our son, is that our son also has some amazing strengths. As with any kids that have a brain-based diagnosis, a lot of them have what I like to call, it's almost like a superpower, like they're gifted in something. Um, and we learned that our, our son, actually, he's really gifted with his hands. And a couple of years ago, he participated in a, um, like, a woodworking camp. And so he, he's really good at it, and he really enjoys it. So what we did for the last two years of his homeschooling, besides, you know, finishing, you know, what, what he needed to finish, was um, he did a couple of apprenticeships. You know, I, I cold called about 50 local carpenters and woodworkers and, and just explained our, our situation. And um, it's been the the, the couple of uh, teachers that work with him just, you know, one on one work with him, you know, built things and whatnot. Um, he, you know, he our son is an amazing carpentry apprentice
0: and oh, that's um, amazing. He,
1: he works part-time as a carpentry apprentice and he also con- he's continuing his apprenticeship with his one teacher you know and he actually I share this a lot in my podcast but the desk that I'm talking to you from that I podcast from he made for my husband and I last year for Christmas
0: Oh, amazing. Um,
1: which is yeah yeah especially when I think about you know three four years ago it's that to me like like is for me I'm you know I'm, I'm a person of faith for me, I think it's God's way of saying, okay, you know what, he's having this journey, it's a hard journey, but he's got some amazing gifts that, you know, that we just need to nurture. So um, yeah, so along with those primary characteristics, they can also have what, what I like to affectionately call superpowers, which are like, you know, they can be gifted in things like art, music, you know, woodworking. Um, Computers. Our son really loves computers. He's actually really good at coding and things like that. So um, yeah, those are examples. And often when you hear about kids that have been exposed or or teens that have been exposed to to alcohol, um, especially um, a lot of the reasons why the secondary and the tertiary characteristics happen is because accommodations haven't been made in, in the primary area you know so and and so that's part of what our learning as parents and caregivers are you know doing is that okay he's having he's showing the symptom of whatever anxiety frustration whatever okay let's take a look and let's see if there's something that's causing this you know because you would do that if for example um you know if if you were working with a client that had dementia you know and you were expecting them to do something and they were getting really angry or frustrated you know because they could Right. So it's kind of like that investigative, like, okay, what am I expecting of this person that's causing them to to have this symptom? You know, so um, really, when you when you think of it that way, it, it really changes your perspective. So I can say like i've learned more in the past four or five years as a parent learning about this than you know in the 25 years you know as, as a music therapist and working with a variety of populations you know it's um so there's a lot of great resources and i consider so i love podcasting i started podcasting and you know my husband and i are, are doing this you know it's called fasd hope and we want to just give people hope you know because oftentimes you hear the bad stories that come with FASD and you know we we want to share that we're on this journey too and it's hard and we're still in the trenches you know and and you know I we're gonna we're gonna be in the trenches but at this same time you know there's hope and and to look at things we just take things you know we savor the moments is what my husband and I like to say we savor the moments and you know we know we know that God and our faith will get us through the the, the bad times
0: absolutely so, amen to that um how, how long you been, been uh, working on doing the podcast
1: uh so i actually i was before i started the one that we're doing i was podcasting for a non-profit in north carolina um and it started when COVID started so like uh, march okay. april and um and then I you know, I was volunteering for a couple of nonprofits and I decided I needed to just step back and do one thing. And I really needed to also focus on my family and, and just, you know, COVID sh- changed a lot. You know, <laughs> it shifted a lot of, it, it prioritized things. And I realized that, you know, as much as I was doing the things that I was doing, I wanted to do just one thing and do it right. And so actually my husband and I, you know, we, we prayed about it and we talked about it. And I realized that I wanted to do a podcast about FASD but I wanted to you know I wanted to have it you know talk to anybody around the country around the world about it you know so um yeah so this particular podcast I've been doing since October 1st but I've been podcasting since about April or so so it's, it's, yeah. And I love it. How do
0: you, how do you like podcasting? I, I love it. It's very ther- therapeutic. I just started yes. ja- January of this year and that's awesome. it's, been, it's been going well. I've you know, been meeting in People uh, using Instagram and LinkedIn, and, yeah. and, and just and talking to people and just reaching out, like, hey, like, just yeah. It's all like about shoot, we shooting South your Canada. shot, like, reach out, like, hey, about exactly. well, like to have you on the podcast. Is either exactly. yes or no, and that's it.
1: <laughs> and, and I feel like I, I don't know about you, but I feel like I've learned so much, you know, from the people I interview. It's it's really cool. Like, I feel like it's a it's an education, like. You know
0: in real life oh you yeah know? absolutely
1: yeah, you, yeah. Can't, you
0: can't you can't get this type of education what you kind of could but not really in, in grad school so exactly exactly, <laughs> exactly. uh how, how have, have you have you and your family ma- managed through covid i don't even know oh. we're still going through it but. <laughs> <laughs> i know it's gonna be a
1: while well you know it's funny because um So my, our son finished homeschool in May and um, he still sees his one apprenticeship teacher. He averages about once a week. He goes there in the evenings. Um, And then the, the, it's really cool. This is really, I'm really just thankful for this. Um, Where he went to camp, it was a nonprofit organization and, and I'll give you their information too. It's in North Carolina, it's called Josh's Hope. And it's, it's a place where older teens and young adults that have either mental illness or developmental disabilities can learn skills and trades. So that's where he went to camp two years ago when he was 16. And so I actually, for the, the other podcast that I did prior to, to the one that my husband and I started, um, I actually interviewed the, um, the executive director who we are actually friends with we we know and um after the interview i got off the phone and he was like you know how's your son doing i said oh you know he's okay but you know he had to kind of put apprenticeship on hold at the time you know and he was like well if he needs a job we're, we're always hiring we hire our graduates and i was like get out of here so he's actually working part time at, at the nonprofit, um, and he is working as a carpentry apprentice and it's great. He's working with the guys who trained him and it's great because it's, um, you know, they accommodate all their guys there, have different, you know, they're differently abled and, and have different things going on. But um, my son has made some beautiful things there and he's just, it's great. He goes there two days a week um, and it's like a very supportive work environment and they're very like COVID friendly. so. He, he in the big workshop you know everybody wears masks and they're like at least 10 feet apart and there's only about That's 7 beautiful. or 8 guys at the time yeah so he's able to do that so like that way it's kind of um, COVID has it's affected us you know like our son would be out more seeing his friends and stuff more you know but um, you know it's been a strain but we a few years ago we moved out we were living in a nice suburb of Raleigh, and we moved out to the country. We literally live off of a, of a farm road. Like we see tractors on our It's so funny, and I, I'm <laughs> from I'm from Dutchess County, New York. Like so, wow. I have <laughs> I have family in Brooklyn, and we used to go to the city. And when my husband worked in the city, we'd go in the city. So it's like the polar opposite of the city, you know. And um, so we moved out here though because um, you know, we we bought it's we have a little under you know four and acres we have a little over three acres and we have a detached workshop and we have a workshop you know attached to our farmhouse and everything Amazing. and we did that for our son you know because we knew that he would thrive on that and actually our daughter does too she's five and she loved being outside so um, yeah so we really like we go into town once a week to pick up our groceries it, it, it really like COVID affected us, Um, like now my husband works from home, which is like a big blessing, which is great. Um, You know, but honestly, I mean, you know, and we homeschool, we continue to homeschool. I'd have to say that just, we don't see people as much as we, you know, just like everybody else. You know, We don't see people as much as we'd love to. Um, You know, we can't see relatives or anything like that. But like day to day wise, like it, it had be i think what affected us more was when we moved from the suburbs out to the to the middle of nowhere i think that <laughs> was like the more of the transition than like you know than covid <laughs> gotcha so,
0: <laughs> so but, i so let, let's say you know uh, a female you know meets a guy they start dating you know it gets you no know, serious whatever you No. Know, th- might have a you no know, drink, you no. Know, they go out to eat, go out, to have a couple of drinks. You know, no You know, they just they didn't have a having a good time, and then all of a sudden, uh, you no. Know, she gets pregnant, doesn't know she's pregnant. They go out, you no, know, a couple months, and you know, still so have a drink, and then
1: there's a chance. There's a. There, okay. that, so that the, kid's the, gonna be affected.
0: Gotcha. Kids, now you mentioned about now you mentioned research about the dad how, how does that work
1: yes so they're actually there's a couple of studies i don't have them like in front of me but they're actually researching how alcohol affects the sperm and affects parent you know the birth father mm-hmm. you know in 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 that too which um you know it There's studies that are showing more um i i i I think one of the studies was from south africa i i I don't remember i'll try to find it and and give that resource to you but i know that they're they're starting not only are they doing a lot of studies of course on 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 mothers on on you know women you know and and the effect of alcohol but they're starting to begin studies on men too because Mm -hmm. especially men who like you know drank for a long time or whatever it's going you know there are there they're showing that there can be effects from it Mm. you know so i mean so what you know the cdc what you know just about everybody says is that no amount of alcohol is safe during any time of pregnancy you know and that's why you know like i want to say it's like 80 to 90 percent of fasds are either undiagnosed they're misdiagnosed or they're underdiagnosed, you know, because people, you know, again, if you think about it, I mean, and, you know, as a social worker, I, I want to say it's something like, what, like 50% of pregnancies are unplanned, something yeah. ballpark there. Yeah, around so there, So yeah. if, if you think about that, and then just think about, like, you know, the, the scenario you're talking about, you know, they're dating, and then they have some drinks, and then she's pregnant, and they, she doesn't realize it that's going to impact the kid you know you don't know how because it depends on when she drank you know and that kid may not have another real real big um issue with fasd is the the facial characteristics and, and the stuff that you know people associate with it it only happens in a very small percentage Mm. And it only happens during, I believe it's like days 18 to 23 or like very early on in the pregnancy. It it only happens, you know, like for a short window of time, very early on in the pregnancy. If, if the, you know, the mother, if the woman drank right. during those times. And if she didn't, then there could be like no facial effects, no... So it's it's really an invisible disability, you yeah, know. Just absolutely. like you know, autism or just like ADHD. There's no, you know, physical way to to, to know that what's going on, you know.
0: How, how can how can uh, people uh, reach out to you to find out more about this?
1: Sure, sure. So I'm uh, my husband and I formed it. We call it FASD Hope. So we're just at FASD hope.com um you can also hear us our podcast is fasd hope and we're on you know the different platforms podbean apple spotify amazon we're on all yeah, I,
0: I i quite a couple of episodes it's very good
1: <laughs> thank you um and then we're also on instagram at fasd hope we're on facebook at fasd hope one um we're we're kind of just trying to get our name out there um if if you know your audience members want to learn more about FAST um you know we consider ourselves kind of to be like the people to point you in the right direction you know we're not the experts but um a couple of there's there's a couple of great um websites that I can share with you um That that are great places to go looking at. And definitely the book that you have, Trying Differently Rather Than Harder by Diane Malvin, that's probably one of the best books you can read learning about fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. It's not a very big book. No, it's Um, not. No, it's in it, and it's great. I mean, I have like 10 copies of it, you know, just because if anybody, you know, asks me, I'm just like, here, just read it. But, and there's a lot of other great books too, you know. And, and um, I just think in your community, especially the social work community, um, here's here's a thing of hope, here's something hopeful. And, and I hope this like happens in every state. So Proof Alliance, which you can look at them online, it's proofalliance.org. They're um, one of the largest nonprofits for fetal alcohol spectrum disorders in the country. And um, they just, I wanna say, its they worked on this for a long time, but in August, two really important legislation um, acts were passed, and I know you'll be interested in this. So the first one is that any, anybody who is training to be a foster parent is required to get an hour of training to learn about fetal alcohol spectrum
0: disorders. Wow,
1: which is so amazing. Every, I know, I, know I, I know. know. I mean, I'm thinking about. They need to every, do but, that in
0: New York or just, yes, <laughs> all throughout the country. Yes, period. <laughs>
1: yes, and that's why, like, I'm talking about it because you know, if people can just like talk to their legislators or whatever, so that's the first thing all across Minnesota, and then the second thing.
0: Now, why? Is, now, why is that?
1: Well, because they they have such, you know, they did a lot of, um, you know, just, they've been doing this for a long time, Proof Alliance. They've been, um, they were formerly the Minnesota Organization you know, for Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder, and then they changed their name to Proof Alliance. So they did that because they recognized the need. You know, so many kids are falling through the cracks because you know, foster parents were not knowing that what they were seeing was not, you know, you know them not paying attention when but was actually a result of, you know, the kid mm. being exposed to alcohol. Gotcha. But the, sec- the second cool legislation that happened, and it, I, I believe August of this year went into effect, is that every single kid, every single baby, youth, teen um, in foster care needs to be screened to see if they have an FASD. Uh, and that's amazing too. Yes, because absolutely. being able to know that and just say, okay, this is what's happening. These are, you know, these are the accommodations we need to make or these are the areas they need help in. So those two huge legislation, you know, um, acts were passed in Minnesota and I'm praying that that just happens all over the country yes. That would just be amazing.
0: Yeah, absolutely
1: So, yeah, but Proof Alliance Is another great nonprofit. Um, the book, you know, I was telling you about Trying differently rather than harder And you can reach me I'm Natalie, N-A-T-A-L-I-E At F-A-S-D Hope.com And um, if I can't Answer your questions, I'm going to point you In the direction of somebody who can
0: Thank you so much For, for coming on You and your families, stay safe during this during this time, and uh, we'll be talking soon.
1: Thank you, and thank you for having me. I really appreciate no,
0: it. No, not a problem. Thank you for coming on. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. All
1: right, one. take care. You too. Bye. Bye bye.